Do you struggle to find answers to your pelvic health problems? Do you feel silenced in your quest to just feel better? Women, girls, sisters, if you have experienced infertility, PCOS, incontinence, painful periods, sexual trauma, and so much more associated with the pelvis, then Women's Pelvis Wellness is a place for you. Me and experts from around the world are joining here to get you the answers to the holistic health that you have been seeking. Please join us in being a pelvis wellness warrior. Hi there, listeners. We're back again with another episode of Women's Pelvis Wellness. And today, my guest is Lily Vardy. And Lily is um, in Israel right now. So this is quite the time change, <laughs> and it's bright and early here in Wisconsin. Um, today, Lily is going to share with us her um, journey with her infertility struggles, and um, which led her to, you know, part of what she does now as a lactation educator. Um, we chatted a little bit yesterday morning, and I mean, your story is very fascinating. I think it's really relatable. And so I thank you for coming on the show today and just really being honest and sharing, you know, all of that nitty gritty stuff that again, women struggle with every day in silence. So I appreciate you sharing your story today. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. I was really moved when you, when you invited people to just be real about this topic, because I think, um, and whenever you encounter something of the fertility nature, it's so secret. And when I encountered things that I'd never heard of before, I felt so alone in it. And I realize now that it's a lot more popular than I thought it would be. And um, I think talking about it might help other mothers to, to meet it with a little less it might help other mothers to meet it with a little less gravity than I did, or maybe a little less loneliness, or maybe just a few more tools just to get through the journey. Right. The loneliness, I would imagine, is such a key thing because you know in your in your head, you know that there are other people who are struggling, but it feels like you're all alone. And because it's not talked about, because you know, it's shameful. It's embarrassing. It's sad. And you just don't, it's, it's like, you want to talk about it, but you know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just something that we do have to make a little bit more mainstream. We do have to help women feel more comfortable and men more comfortable sharing about their fertility journeys. Cause you know, it's very difficult. So yeah, it's very difficult and it's very common and we can get through it, you know, and right. there's different ways to get through it. So I think knowledge is power, you know, right. So here we are, here we are just um, spreading the knowledge and the, and the experiences. So, um, so yeah, so Amy, thanks for having me so much. Um, I'm really glad you're doing this for women. And my story, like you said, is, is a little bit complex, you know, because I've, I've hit a few roadblocks along the way, oftentimes mothers will, will hit one or two roadblocks along the way and, and, and just end up where they're going and, and they'll be happy and they'll have this big story to tell. And then whenever I start telling my story, it's like six or seven stories in one. So I, um, I, sometimes I try to downplay it a little bit because, um, it's hard to get into, but I'm going to try for you guys today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think a big we'll take part your time of my- and only share what you want to share. 
Oh, thanks. I'll, um, I'm, I'm pretty open to questions. So if something's not clear, you can go ahead and um, try yeah. me. Um, so a, a big part of my story, a big part of my journey is also how I came into the journey. So I imagine that someone with like another personality or someone um, with different life experiences or different expectations would have taken it differently. But I'm like a planner. I like things to be like I wanted them. I had this picture in my mind of what my life would be like, and it never turns out like that, except I didn't know it never turns out like that. So I was <laughs> totally shocked. Um, so I basically, you know, I got married pretty early on in my early 20s. And I had this picture of having a family and I never thought I would have problems with infertility. I mean, I knew that there's some medical conditions that might have problems. And I knew that um, as you age, that might make things more difficult, but I was like, okay, so I, you know, I ticked off those blocks. I'm healthy. I'm young. You know, I, I shouldn't have any problems. And I was just ready to start my, my life, my picture perfect life that I imagined for myself. And I always wanted to be a mother and, and motherhood things always interested me. And I heard, I listened about things and, you know, things didn't right away work out. We were, we were trying for, for a few months and usually only after trying for like a year, will doctors even attempt to figure out what's going on. But I managed to convince my doctor after like six months that let's start checking what's going on here because, you know, this isn't going to happen to me. Right. And, um, he sent us for a bunch of checks and there was nothing like hugely wrong. There was like little like borderline things that could be better on both our sides, which is I think a big blessing because, um, you know, you can't start pointing fingers or taking blame for one side. It was, it was like equal footing, which is really nice. Um, you know, if you're looking at the cup half full kind of pieces of the situation and, um, he sent us just for, minimal interventions, which is, um, IUIs, you know, intrauterine, um, implementation. Uh, sure. I hope those are the, the right um, letters. Yeah. Insemination. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so we did a few months of that, which really is supposed to help you out. You know, it helps you out with timing and it helps you out with, with, um, ovulation. It helps you out with, uh, with a uh, low sperm mobility. It helps you out with a few, a few of the issues that could happen. And with, we were hoping for those people who don't know what an IUI is, what they do is they monitor you very closely and they see which side you're going to be ovulating from. And then, you know, through tests, through there's the various ways to find out when, you know, how, where you're going to be ovulating and when, um, usually with an ultrasound. And then they will actually take the partner's sample, the semen, and then they will put it. They will inject it, you know, directly next to the fallopian tube that the egg should be coming out of and to give it like a really good chance <laughs> of them connecting. I, like I like to describe it like an obstacle course. And then we're like yeah. eliminating some of the obstacles along right. the way. And there's still implementation and, you know, yeah. whatever the embryos. I just wanted you know, to explain it. Things along the way. Who might not know? Um, so, you know, and it didn't, it didn't work for us. We were already... Um, about a year into our marriage and, um, I was starting, I was starting to worry, you know, I was starting to, to, to feel like, okay, so these are the infertility journeys that you hear about. And, you know, present day me is laughing at, at that time me, but that's okay. That's what I was feeling at the time. Yeah. And, um, we started getting the paperwork going and the extra tests that need to be going for heading into IVF, which is like a whole nother level of intervention. 
Um, and it's, it's never easy to get there. It's always a big procedure. It takes a few months to, to even get to, to the clinic and to start work. And, um, I was in this mind frame of, of like even one month was too much for me to think about getting pregnant, like to wait for the next month was an eternity for me to wait. So for me to wait two or three months for, for bureaucratic things, for paperwork to go through, for extra tests that you can only do at certain times of the month. That was for me just, I couldn't get my head around it. I was like, come on people, let's get this going. You know, I couldn't wait and I couldn't live my life like next to waiting. You know what I mean? I was sort of stuck with all this anxiety going on, which was not a pleasant time to be around me. I can tell you that. Um, but sometime during the process of waiting, then we managed to get pregnant naturally, which was great. You know, it was a very, very good news. And I was crying when I heard it, I was at work and I was on the phone with my husband who was checking the results on his computer. And, you know, and I was, I couldn't even, I couldn't even just really show emotion because, you know, there's other people in the office and it was just, um, it was very emotional for me. And I thought, okay, here we go. We're pregnant and this is it. You know, that whole year, that was what we would call our fertility journey. And now things are just going to work out because, you know, you get pregnant and that's it. And I didn't realize that just being pregnant and having a healthy baby is a challenge in itself. Right. And I think, um, I think I have, I have in my, throughout the the journey, um, just spoiler alert, we're talking about six years more or less. Um, Uh, yeah, there were some, um, junctions where it was a defining moment for me, you know, like where things come crashing down and I have to rebuild my motivation to go on. And with this pregnancy, um, my first pregnancy, um, we had, we lost it. We lost the baby. We had a baby girl and we lost her at about 20 weeks, which is, um, it's, I mean, it's not a, it's not like a regular medical procedure. It's an actual birth. You know, you're birthing a baby who is not alive, which is traumatic in itself. And I remember, um, it's the weirdest thing because you don't, you know, you haven't yet gotten to the end of your pregnancy. So you haven't even had any kind of birth training, any kind of, you know, birthing course, you have no idea what's going to happen, you know? And, um, my mom, who was a huge support throughout this whole thing, she um, found this organization of doulas who volunteer in cases like this. And and a, a volunteer doula came in and like oh, taught me some of the things. And she was really nice. And But one of the things that we had to decide, because, I mean, sometimes this happens by surprise, but because we knew what was going on, um, we had to decide ahead of time if we want to see the baby or not once she's born. And I I was curious, you know, I have like this scientific curiosity. I was curious to see what a 20 week old baby looks like, even though it's, it's not, it's not a pleasant sight. It's, it's kind of scary. Um, and what I, what I understood is that some mothers want to see the baby and some mothers don't want to see the baby, but sometimes well after you're home and you're trying to, I don't know if heal is the right word, get back to life. Um, 
you may regret your decision. You may want to have seen it or you may want to have some kind of memory of the baby. And what, what um, we got this tip of what we should do is to bring a camera and take pictures. So then if mom doesn't want to see the baby, she has pictures later on and she can do that. And I mean, the nurse wasn't, the nurse wasn't really supportive. She was very opinionated, her own personal opinions. And she said, you know, what do you mean you want to see the baby? You know, what is this thing? And the doctor came in and he said, you know, it's her baby. Let her do whatever she wants to do with it. You know, but sometimes you're going through a process and the you people are the supposed nurse- to the nurse asked you why you wanted to see your baby. Yeah, she was surprised. Uh, you know, you know, she's she's wrapped it up in in, in a few. I don't know what she. I don't know what they use, and and you know, just hand me my baby. You know, it's not a big deal. And sometimes you encounter people who are supposed to be in your corner along the journey. You're supposed to be supportive of whatever process you're going through, and they have their own process that they're going through. You know, and and that's difficult to meet, but. Um, you know, I wasn't in any state to do any kind of talking, any kind of conversation, you know, so my mom was there and my husband was there and they knew what I wanted and they sort of helped me through it. So, um, so it's really important, I think, to have people you can trust that help you navigate the real time situations because I was not functional at those times, you know, I was completely overwhelmed with what was going on. And I actually have pictures of, you know, mom and dad and baby at the hospital, which, I love that they're a little creepy, but in a really sweet way, because that's like what a normal, that's like what I did normally picture would be, you know, I picture myself in pictures like that. Obviously the pictures I thought I would have had a future and this didn't really have a future, but um, uh, I treasure them. And and I, um, sometimes I, I put one of them up in my lecture, some, not, not a close up, just a wide frame, because I like to, um, I like to point out how, how normal and not normal it is at the same time. Like what kind of situation you find yourself in just in life that is so surreal, you know? Right. Um, So this for me was, was a big turning point because I had wanted a baby and I'd wanted a baby girl, you know, and, you know, in my dreams and I sort of got it, but then I didn't get it, you know, and I sort of believed that getting pregnant was the challenge. And suddenly I realized that having a healthy baby is the challenge. And this was for me moving forward with a whole new situation that was new to me. You know, it was not what I had based for myself all my life. So that was quite difficult. We took some, um, we took some time off we were trying to figure out what we were going to do next. We were trying to sort of heal. We were trying to sort of figure it out, but ultimately you have to decide you're moving on. You can't stay in this. Yeah. Right. You know, I don't know what to call it. Despair. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's where you want to be. You want to be in the deep, deep pit of despair. That's, it's sort of fitting to the situation, but you can't live there. Right. So you have to decide one day that you're climbing out and you're moving on, especially since what you wanted is children, you know, um, it was very difficult for me to deal with that loss. And I think one of the things that helped me most was, um, um, just recognizing it, acknowledging it as a loss and not, um, just, Oh, things didn't work out. Let's try again. You know, Mm -hmm. this was something that actually 
happen. You know, there was this baby here, you know, and she was mine and she had all this potential that wasn't, you know, quite realized. And, um, yeah, that, that was, that was for me very helpful to move on and, um, to see it that way. And not everybody that I speak to sees it that way. You know, a lot of people were like, okay, you know, dust yourself off, get up, continue, try again, you know, try again for a healthy baby and it'll be fine. And, and your life will be just fine. You know, and your life isn't the same, you know, you, you have right. suffered a loss and that is part of the baggage that you're continuing with yeah. on forward in your life. So, and so um, many times I don't think that people really see that, especially like if it's, you know, if it's a miscarriage, it's an early miscarriage or, yeah. um, you know, a stillbirth or people just, they don't know how to handle it. And they say things with the intention of helping themselves feel better like they feel better saying it and it's not helpful to the person you know what I'm saying like well at least you know at least you didn't you know lose them when they were five or at least you did you know and it's like you know you know like like you're gonna like you lost them before you bonded with them and it's like as soon as I knew they were on the way I was bonded and I wanted it you know so yeah it's true I think you know people try and if you're not in such a bad way, you know, you can appreciate them trying or whatever, or they may say things that would help them in their outlook on life. But in my outlook on life, it wasn't at all um, something that was helpful. So it's hard. It's really hard because also sometimes um, people don't know what to say and then they avoid you altogether. That's not nice either, you know. Right, exactly. Support from people. What kind of conversations are going to be supportive or not? What can you expect from other people? What do you need from other people? This is a really complex conversation. I love opening this up um, for discussions whenever uh, I speak to to groups because um, there's no answer. You know, it's a discussion to be had. Um, We really, really try. We really try to be there for our friends and our family. And I often get questions these days Um, especially since people know that I talk about this quite a bit. I get questions from from friends or family members. How can they support a friend of theirs who is going through something similar? Um, Which is is lovely. You know, we need support and we all need support. Um, And it's not always exactly the right kind of support, but some support is better than no support, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a really really crappy situation anyway you look at it, you know? So you make the best of it. Um, so yeah, you had, you were said yesterday that, I mean, essentially you have, since this loss, you went on for six more years and four more losses, a total of five losses. Right. So we had, um, we had tried, um, natural, natural pregnancy again, and we lost that one very early on because, you know, some pregnancies end in miscarriage. I think the statistic is like 20% or something of pregnancies end in miscarriage just early on. Um, so we happened to fall into that statistic yet again, you know, two times in a row, you know, it, it was really, it was really upsetting. Um, you sort of feel like you paid your dues and you don't deserve this. And and why me and why does it happen to have to have to happen like this and all these things, um, which are very emotional. And then next to that, you have to still be a little more um, proactive, a little more calculated and think, okay, is there a medical reason? Is there something we should be doing differently? Are there things we need to be looking out for? Are there, I don't know, drugs we need to be taking in order for things to work because there are some medical conditions that, you know, 
once you diagnose them, then you can solve them pretty easily. But usually they don't diagnose them after several miscarriages, you know, and you start to have to be like this robot who is taking care of business as opposed to being a human who is feeling all these complex feelings and trying to get through their life. And all the while having a life, you know, working, having friends, having a husband, having a family, you know, it's not easy and it's not normal. And you're sort of um, you have like this fog in your life, you know, your life is moving regularly, but But you're not present. You're not you're not feeling it. You're not feeling normal at all. And all the while, there's this thought that okay, we'll get pregnant, we'll have a healthy baby, we'll, we'll be past all this. You know, this is like the ultimate goal to reach in order to get past all the fog. And spoiler alert, that's not a really good outlook. <laughs> it didn't work for me. I tried to do this thing where you push through and you push through and you push through till you get to the end. But you know that there's a cheesy saying how life is about the journey. I mean, that's really true. And I wasn't at the time, you know, in hindsight, it's 2020, but at the yeah. time, I wasn't giving the journey enough of a, enough of a place. I was pushing through, pushing through, pushing through. I was bearing my feelings. I was ignoring a lot of things and I was just trying to plow ahead. And that's what sent us back to IVF because that sounds like it's like a miracle solution. You know, doctors will come in, they'll fix whatever needs to be fixed and you'll be magically pregnant with better odds than you have naturally. It sounds like a magical pill and it's really not, it's really just, another type of journey with its own pros and cons. And you have to now start your journey again. And you have to sort of relearn what the terrain is and sort of understand what's going on again and sort of familiarize yourself with new complications that can happen. And it's really um, exhausting. It was exhausting. I think what um, painted most of these years for me is just sheer exhaustion from the situation. Right. Um, So another really big turning point for me was we did have a pregnancy from the IVF that didn't develop properly. You know, like like the placenta developed with no fetus inside. Have you heard of this situation? Oh, yes. I had never heard that that happens. You know, and since then I heard that happen to another couple of people that I know. And I was like, I had never heard of this thing happening before. And I was shocked. And it's almost worse than losing the pregnancy straight away because you go in like for your initial tests and things seem to be okay. And then the next week, the tests sort of show that something may be wrong, but they're not quite sure. And they bring you in for another week of tests and they're sort of waiting and hoping that things will sort of pick up or the last test was wrong or something. And over the course of two or three weeks, you've got this false hope sort of dampening your realization that something is drastically wrong here. And I felt that that was, first of all, stealing my thunder, you know, stealing my moment to be just, heartbroken and wholeheartedly depressed and grieving over this loss as opposed to just slowly dampening into it and and just doing what you have to do you know once you realize that yeah this is indeed the situation Mm -hmm. um so i didn't like that you know having suffered other losses you know this is i think not a really nice way to to endure a loss you know gradually Um, yeah Anyway, um, that was for me a big deal, a a big turning point, because here we are, we went and we did this huge medical intervention and it didn't help either, you know, and I started to seriously doubt that people ever could have children, you know, that this Mm -hmm. could ever be a possibility. And then um, 
just throughout um, this IVF, you know, we did IVF for, for a few years and there was a lot of um, complications with it. You know, I was hospitalized and sometimes the embryos are not viable and sometimes there's other um, things that go wrong throughout the procedure and it just doesn't work or you don't have embryos and, and it's just really complex and scary. And um, throughout those years, I was also battling complications from my earlier pregnancy losses because I had a lot of scar tissue in my uterus and the uterine lining wasn't growing and they weren't sure that I was able to sustain a pregnancy. And they started talking to me about surrogacy back then because I needed several surgeries in order to try to fix this situation. And um, why did you need the surgeries? Did you have endometriosis? No, I had um, hysteroscopy to try to right. open up the adhesions. Oh, that's um, right. You had adhesions in your yeah. uterus. So there was no opening. So you had to like, gotcha. Right. There was no like, there was no like, you know, space, you know, it was just Yeah, all, the uterus was like stuck yeah. together. Stuck together. Yeah. So and they so had to like put a balloon in and sort of stretch it out. Yeah. Well, they don't put, what they do is they, um, just yeah. with a surgical knife, they try to open up the-, the sure. The areas, but then one of the problems is that the um, I, I, this isn't medically um, exact in any way, but just just ballpark. What I understood yeah. was um, the the base um, tissues that are supposed to grow the uterine lining. If those are damaged, then the uterine lining won't grow, and if the uterine lining won't grow, then an embryo can't implant in the uterus. Sure. So, and the and here you I also am- had found out that there was a genetic abnormality. There is a genetic disease that you and your husband then had to struggle with. Yeah. And you had also mentioned too, that the, the interventions to help you get pregnant cause problems to inhibit pregnancy. Yeah. So there's so many twists and turns. Yeah. I felt, um, right around this time, I felt like we weren't even back to square one. We were back to like negative squares because there was actual like structural damage to the uterus that was caused from earlier issues, whether that's, I don't know if it was something that would have happened anyway, or what I like in my mind, it's some medical thing that shouldn't have happened. You know, like the doctor didn't quite scrape properly the remnants of an old pregnancy or something like that, you know, something medically, I don't know, uh, like mechanical damage that was done to me that sure. was not supposed to be. So this is this is a line that's actually big in my language. I know for some some people are more easygoing and go with the flow, which is totally not me. Like I get stuck on things. So this why me and this shouldn't have happened and what should have been is a huge conversation for me. Like this was keeping me up at nights. I could not sleep for I want to say months, but it was years that I was not sleeping well because my mind kept going to these places of, you know, what should have been and what could have been and what didn't have to be and what was avoidable and what was not avoidable. And all this stuff was just completely overwhelming me. And like you said, the the situation was very complicated, the genetics and the, and the mechanics and the, um, um, the IVF and everything. It was just really overwhelming. And we got to a point where, you know, we knew if we had one more loss, um, we would probably not not be able to get pregnant ever again, you know, which was a big deal for me Yeah. Um, because we had to decide if to continue with the IVF or to um, try naturally again. And 
neither method had worked for us in the past. You know, it was like almost a coin flip, but you know me, I did pros and cons list and I tried to match up some of the statistics for success and everything. Sure. And it, it was just not, not good. So we already were looking at alternatives. And honestly, when I say we, it was not me or my husband, we were not functioning in any way. Um, we seeked help from my mother who was a huge, huge support. And she was, very worried about me at some point. Um, I had this really bad depression. It was not diagnosed at first. You know, I was going to therapy and my therapist was not diagnosing my depression. Um, it came out some other way and she was in complete agreement that this is the case, but she was not the one to initially diagnose it, which was really crazy. And this is something I later learned that oftentimes in women, then depression manifests in different ways. Like it's not about not getting out of bed. It's about having a huge difficulty to do anything. But I mean, I was still going to work. I, I don't know how productive I was, but I was there. You know, I was up in the morning. I was dressed. I was, you know, in the office on time. And that took out of me like my entire energy for the entire day. I could not do anything else. I was not going out with friends. I was not, you know, cooking dinner. I was not doing anything other than the things I absolutely had to. Um, so my mother was super worried, you can imagine. Right. Um, and I kept saying things like, you know, I can't go on like this or how are things going to be, or this is not my life. My mother was super worried about me. And I just, I asked her for help because, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't make appointments. I can go to doctors. What am I supposed to do with this? And she was uh, reluctant. She was reluctant to step in because she mentioned how a baby and, and just fertility things are so personal to a couple, you know, it's like totally like like your thing, like the two of you, you know, it's very, uh, it's very, I don't want to say personal again. It's just very close to your heart. You know, it's very part mm -hmm. of who you are as a couple. And she didn't want to step on any toes. She didn't want to get between us. She didn't want to start, you know, um, being intrusive. She was really sweet about it. And really this, this um, is a shout out to my mom. She was really communicative in a very real way. And um, what I told her is just, you know, if I had a different medical condition, if I'd broken my leg, you know, and I needed a surgeon, um, she would totally step in there and look for the best surgeon and get me whatever appointments and drive me to the hospital. She would get in there. And she, um, she agreed, you know, we had like this, we had like this big conversation where we lay everything out on the table and we sort of figured out what everybody's job is going to be going forward. And she helped us, you know, she, she found out everything we need to find out about surrogacy and everything. And what she, um, what she did is she just did all the legwork for us. Yeah. So we did have another pregnancy after that, which we decided to try for naturally. And we also lost that one due to that genetic disease, yeah. um, which was, you know, unavoidable, but was sort of not fair either because the statistics for the disease are supposed to be small and we'd hit them a couple of times already, which was not fair. You know, this not fair yeah. conversation kept going back to me. Um, but luckily we already had all the paperwork. We already knew what we were going to do. And we said, okay, we realized that this means we have to go through the surrogacy because there was way too much damage done to the uterus already and we can't go through it again. Um, so we went into it and I was not happy going into it because 
everybody said, this is the answer to your problems. You know, if your problem is your uterus can't hold a pregnancy, your embryos keep dying in IVF. You know, if you have a, a golden embryo that somehow managed to survive, you want to put it in a healthy uterus where it has a half a chance to survive. Right. Um, but I just felt like this was a replay of the previous times I was told that we have a magical medical solution. It's never magical. It's simply another way to go about it. It's simply another journey. You have to realize what's going on with. Right. And um, we were, we were pretty lucky that on this other journey that I very hesitantly entered, yeah. but things sort of worked out, you know, our surrogate was great and the IVF worked enough to get one healthy embryo, obviously we would like to have more, but I can't even complain because, you know, my daughter was born from this, um, yeah. not great round of IVF, you know, so I can't even say how not great it was, but whatever we had, we managed to sort of get enough things to work out our way to actually hold a healthy baby, which was incredible for us. It was like, you know, the culmination of all our dreams and all this process. And at the same time, it also released us from this cloud and I was very aware of this I did not want the the end of the journey the end of the depression the, the end of the let's call it my own personal nightmare um to be on the shoulders of this tiny little baby girl who came into the world you know all free and clear right. um so all throughout the surrogate's pregnancy I was going to therapy with a new therapist and um I was trying to work everything out. So you can't ever work everything out. I'm sorry. I was trying to work enough of it out so that I can welcome her, you know, cleanly into what would be our new life, not the life I planned and not the life I pictured, but something new um, that we were building together. And that was, um, that was a big deal for me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. And then you had shared with me, and of course I've heard of this happening, but I've never spoken with someone who was able to do it. You actually were able to breastfeed your daughter. I was. So this is actually, this is actually a huge story for me um, because it also sort of catapulted me into the next phase of my life. Because after having all this journey, I was, I was ready to be all mom. You know, I was not going back to the office. I was not, you know, doing anything that I was supposed to, or I planned earlier. This was a new life for me. And that was scary. And I had to rethink everything, but, um, so I'm holding my little girl and somehow by whatever miracle, while the surrogate was pregnant, I got pregnant as well. Um, so when my daughter was born, I was pregnant and it was a high risk pregnancy and we had this genetic disease over our head and we had uh, a lot of just uncertainty about what's going to happen. Um, and, and, and sure enough, when, when my daughter was about a month old is when we lost, um, this, this other pregnancy. Um, and that was for me, another really big breaking point because had I had two children, you know, healthy and happy, and I was raising a family, I would not ever have to reopen this whole nightmare of IVF and treatments and surgeries and whatever, yeah. surgery, whatever, all this Pandora's box of stuff. And once I lost this pregnancy and, you know, I have a healthy baby, this is what I wanted all along. But, you know, if you think big picture wise, um, what you really want, you want to have a life, you know, you want to have a family, have some kind of picture. And, and then you, you wanted, have, you wanted several children. I wanted several children. So, so now I have a baby, which is great. You know, the whole question of will I ever be a mother, which happens with um, 
primary sure. infertility is a big deal. You know, I have this friend who has one daughter and she has secondary infertility. You know, she's now going through this whole process that I empathize with a lot, but the, but it's different kinds of questions are going through your head. This question of will I ever be a mother was a big deal for me. Right. Um, okay, so we put that question aside, but the question of the family life that we would want or picture, right. how are we going to get that? Are we going to go well, back and to- the fact too that you are having this intense joy that you're so happy you have a baby and mm-hmm. now you have this intense sadness that you've lost yet another baby. Right. So you've lost the baby and you've lost the, the picture perfect family and you've lost um, your potential for never having to go back to any kind of medical intervention. Should right. you choose not to, you, you're, you're losing, you're losing the baby, but you're losing a lot of things around it. Right. Um, and for me, I was also losing the experience of having this complete joy with my new baby that was born, you know, that was born, right. healthy, um, which was a big deal for me. I wanted to really, I want to really experience it fully because I didn't know how many of these I was going to get. You know, this is what I was waiting for six years. Um, So it was very complex. Some of these um, thoughts that I'm sharing with you, it's only after a lot of work that I did in order to reach some of these realizations. So I'm just giving them to you. But um, it took me a while to realize some of these things, they were buried pretty deep. Um, And then the breastfeeding is what saved us. The, the breastfeeding journey was something that I always, you know, thought I would have. I always thought it would be part of my motherhood just because of the example that I had at home. You know, I was lucky enough to, to have seen it growing up. Um, I always thought it would be part of my motherhood going through surrogacy. I thought I had to give that up as well, you know, giving up being pregnant and giving up um, breastfeeding, giving up the type of motherhood I pictured. And because I had lost a pregnancy, then my body was already preparing for breastfeeding. So what I did was, is I tried to pick up where it left off and continue the process into breastfeeding through supply and demand. Okay. um, Like the number one rule in breastfeeding is supply and demand. The more baby nurses, the more milk your body makes, except this baby was a month old and, you know, she was pretty big. Um, She was a pretty a healthy, robust baby, which is really great. Um, but she was, you know, eating entire bottles of formula. I had like two drops of milk, you know, and this was a huge deal for us to try to figure out what we want to do, how we want to do it. We didn't plan for it at all. Sometimes you hear stories of surrogacy. Um, the people are lucky enough to, to know that it's possible and to plan for it um, ahead of time and, and work with a lactation consultant to build some kind of plan in order to figure out what they're doing. And we were just, you know, starting with no knowledge, no direction in the middle of the journey, you know, the, the, the kids a month old. Right. Um, but we did have the pregnancy, which really helps because I wasn't ready to take any more drugs after all the right. medical interventions I had, all the hormones I was taking, all the injections, I was not ready to take any kind of drugs, even if it meant I wouldn't breastfeed her, you know, and sometimes that, that can help. There's some drug protocols that help. So, so we did that. We were, we started out on our own, you know, just me and my mom trying to figure it out. And then we had tried to go to several different lactation consultants. Each one could help a little bit. I didn't meet one that could really um, take the process all the way through, which was sad. Um, had I met one, maybe it would have been better, but it took us um, several months of just nursing more and nursing more and pumping often. And you can imagine the frustration, the tears of when it's not um working. It was a really, really difficult process. The thing, the thing that saved us is, um, 
having like a project to work on. Like this is yeah. something that you build your day around. So you know how they say, um, just to get through something that's difficult, they say, take it day by day or even take it, you know, hour by hour. Yeah. This is, this is how breastfeeding works. You know, you take it day by day. This is a, this was perfect for us. We had um, something that the whole day surrounded around that surrounded around the, the baby and taking the bear, care of the baby surrounded around us bonding in some way, in some physical way, which is a bit of a, you know, making up for what we had lost before. Definitely. Um, it was, it was uh, intense. It was intense, very frustrating, very moving, very loving, very difficult all, all at once. Um, but it, it got us through, you know, you have a long-term goal, you have short-term goals, you know, you're stepping forward. And I feel like the two of us were like walking hand in hand, you know, through this journey. That's wonderful. Really yeah. The other end. Yeah. It was to keep that couple coming together. It was just so, sure. so crucial. And that's yeah, through that journey, so, I mean, there's a really high, you know, I don't know what the specific statistic is, but I know people who are going through fertility challenges have a high divorce rate. So it's great that you were able to come together through that process. Yeah, it's, um, it has its ups and downs. You have to really want to stay together and be able to overlook some things in order to um, get through something that is admittedly a not, not normal situation for anybody to have to deal with and just sort of try to figure it out. Yeah. Well, and as the story moves along, then that kind of led you into being, and then there's more happy news. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So this was, this started really my fascination with breastfeeding just in general, um, which is what I do now, because I feel like, you know, I, I learned things the hard way. And if I can help sure. mothers just learn things the easy way or just be there for support, because I've been through it and I know how it feels like, um, so this is, this is what I do now is I'm an, I'm a breastfeeding educator and I can, and I can help through a lot of even difficult situations or even just regular situations that feel difficult because honestly, none of it is easy to, for anybody. Um, so, so I try to empathize with, um, any kind of case that I see. Um, so the happy news is I was able to have more children after that, which was, I think truly a miracle, you know, they say time heals things and I wasn't ready to listen to that early on, but it's actually true. And I was able to have, um, two more boys after that. Neither one was easy and then neither one was uh, simple, but they're here and they're miraculous. <laughs> and uh, now I have like three kids and here they are on my little necklace. Uh, um, how old are they now? So my daughter is seven and my sons are five and three. Okay. And, you know, to an outsider, we look like this nice, normal, happy family and we are, but it wasn't easy. It wasn't, you know, instantaneous. Yeah. It wasn't automatic. You know, I see sometimes, um, friends, friends from the neighborhood or, you know, other parents from my kid's school or something. And if I, if I get a sense that they're struggling with something, I'll share part of my story to, to like open the door for them to know that. You know, this didn't happen naturally. This, was this really happen. hard. It's hard. It was hard also for us. You know, it's okay to talk about it. You know, it's okay to feel things. Um, um, so I don't get like, you know, resentful looks. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, you see what people put out there. You see people's front yard, but you don't see what goes on in, the, in their house. You know, I don't see what's behind the story, um, right. which is always a good thing to remember. Yeah. I'll never forget. I was... Um, a client that I worked with, um, lost a baby at 19 weeks and, um, he was actually born alive. 
um, but yeah. he, you know, didn't make it. And um, I, I just, I don't know why, but I had a new client. She had come in for her second massage and I shared that story with her. And, you know, obviously not saying names or anything, but I was, I mean, I was so heartbroken for her and I was struggling, you know, cause I yeah. helped, I helped them get that, you know, baby. And, um, I was just, I was crushed for them. And she said, you know, the same thing happened to me. She would be 25. And it's just like, how many women are walking around who've, you know, who've had this tragedy and, you know, they just don't talk about it. That, you know, she's like, well, she was here. She was in the, you know, she was in the NICU for several months and she just didn't make it. And I just had to move on. And so that's what I did. You know, and it's just, you know, she's moving on, but she's carrying her baby with her the whole way. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, it's, we, we never know someone's story. So, you know, sometimes we just have to, not, not sometimes we just need to be very mindful of our words all the time. It's true. Yeah. I also only after I started experiencing some of these losses that I start hearing stories from people I'd known all my life, you know, friends of the family or aunts or people that I knew well started telling me their own story that I'd never heard before. They felt Absolutely. like this was an opening for them to tell it. Yeah. And, you know, it sort of felt like they were coming out of the woodwork, you know, everybody yeah. has a story and honestly it, it helps you to feel like you're not alone, but I would have liked to hear some of them earlier. I would have, I would have known better how to yeah. handle some of the medical situations I was in if I had more information, I think. Yeah. Gosh, Lily, your story is just packed so full of twists and turns. And I know we have like completely barely scratched the surface. Um, So what I would encourage folks to do is because I know what I want to learn more about. Um, Because like I said, her and I have talked, we talked for, you know, what, an hour yesterday. So I know more (laughs) details. And um, for anyone else, is there a certain area who you, where you would like um, Lily to dive more deeply in? Because I would like to hear... Um, I would like to personally hear more about the, um, about the genetic side and, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're very honest, you know, like, and just totally raw story around that. And then also the breastfeeding aspect, but if anybody else would like to, um, learn more about a specific thing, comment on this episode, um, or obviously reach out to me or reach out to Lily specifically, you know, individually, and then, we can kind of help you more along this journey because this is just, it's, it's so complex. And I thank you for sharing it with me because, you know, I mean, it's not easy. Yeah. I'm glad to have this chance and I'm really open to questions. You know, we can um, discuss any aspect of it separately because um, it, it's always an interesting discussion. You know, it, there's never a one right answer. It's always a discussion. It's always trying to think right. up different ways to look at it and, um, and figure things out, you know, do what works for people. Well, and that's the other key piece too, is that the fertility journey and all journeys, but it's, it's incredibly personal. It's either, you know, it's with the, you know, the parents of this people of this baby, and you have to make the choice that's right for you. And I think the biggest key piece is when other people hear your story they see it and they hear it through their own perception and then what they would do in that position. So I like showcasing all the realities of it because it's reality and it's the choices that people have to face. And, you know, I just want to, 
you know, share that with people um, because it's, again, you're not the only one that's going through it. So it's a conversation um, definitely worth having. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us today and sharing. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you for joining me today on Women's Pelvis Wellness, where you can be heard. Because remember, if you're not being heard, you're not being helped. Please join my Facebook group by the same name, Women's Pelvis Wellness, and join a community of women who are there for you to support you, guide you, and love you through your pelvic health struggles. Also, this is a great place to check out my new class schedule. Thank you for joining me in becoming a pelvis wellness warrior.